Hey there, everybody. Welcome to It's Always Game Day in Kansas City on this Red Friday. I am your host, Kayla Kinnaram. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Cody Tapp, and producer, Nick Schwartz. By the way, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast if you haven't done so already. Fellas, heading into the weekend, how are we feeling? I mean, my vibe check from Wednesday still stands, as in I thought we were getting a heavyweight fight, and instead we're not um, anywhere close to that. But I do kind of like enjoy watching the Chiefs beat the Broncos for like the 13th consecutive time. Did you somebody put out the lineup uh, the last time the Broncos beat the Chiefs? And it was like Jamal Charles was the running back and Alex Smith was the quarterback. And you're like, oh, my God, how long? And like Dexter McCluster had a catch. You're like, oh, no. James O'Shaughnessy was in the game. You're like, this is embarrassing for you. These are names I have not thought about related to the Chiefs in just so long. You know, I'm going to actually give you a vibe check on a Friday, Kayla. Oh, let's go. You know, when you don't have much going on on the weekend and one of your friends texts you like, hey, you know, what are you doing this weekend? And then you answer, I don't really have much planned. I got to go run some errands. I got to go by Target. And then I got to, you know, go get an oil change in my car, but nothing big. That's that's the vibe for the Chiefs right now. It's like, what do you have going on? Oh, we got to go out to Denver. We're playing this team real quick and then we'll be right back. So <laughs> you have anything? To do? Yeah, I'm, I'm down to get together. Like that's the Chiefs vibe heading into this Bengals game. I don't know how to manufacture excitement for this one. Let's just dive right on into our first topic. The Chiefs Broncos game doesn't have the juice we thought it would, as you alluded to, Nick, uh, before the season started. Is there anything interesting that you're going to be watching for on Sunday? I mean, anything, I, I do, anything at all. <laughs> I do want to see. I do want to see how the offense performs against another top defense. I'm not saying I'm not intrigued by that. I want to know now that Sky Moore's not on special teams that they're not a total train wreck. But I think mostly the most interesting thing, honestly, to watch this Sunday is if the Chiefs can just bounce back after a bitter Cincinnati loss. They and I know that that sounds easier than it is sometimes, especially against a bad team. But even Andy in his press conference on Wednesday was noticeably frustrated by the continued Bengals question. So it's like, well, because we don't give a shit about the one on Sunday, Andy. The one, the Bengals one matters so much more for like your ultimate goals. I know his job is to keep everything micro. Worry about this game. Worry about winning this division. Worry about the rest of the regular season. And then worry game by game in the playoffs. But for us, we know that Cincinnati is a much bigger part of the problem than whatever happens against Denver. Even if they were to lose. Cincinnati is still the much bigger issue on their on their plate than Denver ever is. So to me, it's how good at the bounce back can you be? They were rolling pretty good. They were beating all the opponents that were worse than them. They got another heavy hitter in the schedule and they lost. All right. You got another dumpster fire of a team. Can you go beat them down? Can you beat them decidedly? They can't score. Can you keep your thumb on them the way you have all this time? That's what I'm looking forward to the most on Sunday. And to that point, To me, it's more about the defense. You are going up against maybe the league's worst offense. And say what you will about the Chiefs defense, but where they've been good is the games where they're supposed to be good, going up against bad offenses. I know they lost the Colts game, but that was a good defensive performance from the Chiefs. They were great defensively against the Titans. They were really good against the Jaguars. They were good two weeks ago against the Rams. Whenever they've faced a bad offense, they've done their job. Now, I think the game flow has sometimes dictated the fact that the Chiefs haven't necessarily blown all of these bad teams out. But in terms of the defense, they have done their job against every bad offense they've faced. 
this might be the worst. This offense with Russell Wilson at quarterback might be worse than the Rams offense without Matt Stafford and without Cooper Cup from two weeks ago. It's that bad when you look at some of their offensive statistics in Denver. So do what you're supposed to do and hold them in check just like every other team that's went up against them has. You know, and I'll give, you know, I, I know that it hasn't been perfect at times with the defense and it was an easy game to pick on them because it's a Cincinnati, but you know, Cincinnati's a really good team and they still hold them to 27. The Chiefs are up to 15th in points per game allowed defensively. So, I mean, they don't, they don't often get railroaded and you would think again, I mean, I don't know that Denver, honestly, I'm not sure Denver can score against anybody. Like, I don't know that they're capable of scoring against anybody. It's like, I go back in time and I'm like, I can't believe we ever thought Denver might be competitive in this division. Even if you were a pessimist and you were like, well, they're not going to go to the playoffs in year one, but wow, they will be a lot harder with Russell Wilson. No, they won't because they had no plan. Like whatever their plan was, it was misshapen and half-assed and they're like, Russell, figure it out. And you're like, well, that that was a bad strategy. Um, and it, it, it has backfired massively. I, I, I'm, this is not even hyperbole. Legitimately, this Denver team is so bad and their situation is so bad right now. I don't think you can make an argument that if you had to, like Nick, they were going to make you a general manager. Kayla, they were going to make you a general manager in an NFL team. I think if we drafted it, the Denver Broncos would be the very last job you took. I'd rather be the general manager of the Texans right now. At least I can take CJ Stroud and take my chances. If I'm in Jacksonville, at least I have Trevor Lawrence and he's cheap. In Denver, I have no first round pick. Seattle's going to be picking third for me and I have no money. What's what kind of situation is that to be in? Does it scare us at all that the Broncos are desperate here? These AFC West games sometimes can get dicey. Nick, I think they're particularly desperate for all the things I just said. Like, <laughs> we're screwed. We better do something. Hackett's well, playing for his job. The only way he could probably keep his job is if he beats the Chiefs twice. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's weird. The Broncos are playing for nothing this season. And there's really nothing they're playing. Like, you, there's no point in tanking. You don't have a first-round draft pick. So it's not like you have a shot at the first overall pick. That pick's going to Seattle, who might be a playoff team. So there's no... I don't know, like players, I'm sure, are pretty dejected and maybe there's a sense of bottoming out. One thing that's been abundantly clear is that the defense isn't mailing it in in Denver, right? That's still one of the league's best units. And Russell Wilson, despite what you may think about him, he doesn't strike me as the type of guy who's just going to pack it in for a season. So I'm sure there is a sense of a hack at coaching for his job, other players playing for contract extensions or trying to play for free agent money. And for Russell Wilson, like, I don't, I don't think much of the guy as a player this year, but he's a competitor. I don't think he's going to stop playing. And I'm sure there is a, like knowing Russell, like he still wants to prove people wrong. He'll have one good game and then come out and say, you know what? I always believed in this team. It's like, well, you, you, you have four wins on the season. So maybe, maybe wait till the off season for the motivational stuff. So I do think there is a level of what else do you have to play for if you're Denver other than trying to steal what would be the upset of the season against your divisional rival at home. It'd be pretty impressive to get this upset considering they've only managed to score 20 <laughs> two times. <laughs> 20. Remember the Chiefs have scored 40, 40 points three times. Denver has scored 20 twice. So <laughs> it's like, oh my God, these are not the same thing. They haven't scored more than 23 in a game all season and they've been held to just nine points in three of their losses. 
You know what's weird about Broncos games is that there have been their fair share of blowouts over this winning streak and this rivalry, but there have also been some really weird ones. 22 to 16, right? Those types of games, 19 to 9 type games. It feels like there are, it's either going to be really ugly, slug it out, grind it out type win or 48 to 16 type win. And I honestly, I feel like it could go either way (laughs) with how the Broncos have been playing. I'm right there with you, which we'll get to predictions later on in the show. Uh, One quick tidbit, very quickly. Uh, Last week, Russell Wilson had one of his best games as a Bronco. He was 17 of 22 for 189 yards, 8.6 yards per attempt, 102 rating. That's like no the picks, loser no stuff. Touchdowns. Like, it's like wait, when I, Daniel Jones was like, like maybe Daniel Jones could be the goods, guys. He didn't throw a pick and he completed wait most a minute, of the passes. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Did you just read that stat line after saying that's one of his <laughs> best games of the year? That's that's what they said. It's one of this was one of his <laughs> best games. Has Mahomes ever had that stat ever? Like that would be his worst game. Yes. Yeah. That would be his but worst game. I don't think he's ever had that. Again, remember, another thing to watch in this game before we move on to the next topic. Will Russell Wilson get any closer to the number of passing touchdowns he has compared to his bathrooms? Can you refresh us on that? Oh, he has he has eight passing touchdowns on the season. He has 12 bathrooms in his house. Someone has been diligently tracking this all year long. Will (laughs) he catch passing touchdowns with the number of bathrooms in his house? Do you think he has used all 12 bathrooms since moving into that house? Wouldn't you? I feel like no. I would just circle through. I, I'd no. want to try them all once. No, like if there's, there's always that, if you like in your parents' house, like my parents, we had like three bathrooms and there's always that one in the basement that nobody ever uses. Like I'd imagine if you have 12 bathrooms, you're only using four of them routinely. In fairness, there are four in my house. That makes me sound crib. I don't know wow. why I have so many bathrooms. But Okay, uh, humble. My back. house, hold on. My house is not that big. It's just that big. What wealth feel like? <laughs> whatever, whatever, whatever. <laughs> damn it. I knew that was going to sound bad the second I said it. But there is one, the one in the basement hardly ever gets used. Actually, you're, the basement, I, I don't, I'm sorry for. We're like, going to go down a road we don't want to. Yeah, I know, but I'm, I'll, I'll keep it quick. <laughs> the, the bathroom in your basement is almost, it's funny because of how close <laughs> the toilet is to the wall. It's like, oh, so Nick's used this bathroom. <laughs> yeah. tight. Well, it's the one in the basement. So when he came over to play poker, Kayla, it's, you know, it's, it's the closest one. Okay. We'll go with the closest one. <laughs> Back to Russ. Is there any. Should he be doing something besides cooking? I know I can't cook. I should find a new hobby. Maybe he needs to move on from cooking since that hasn't worked well for him. Look, I don't I don't know that uh, they're ever going to convince him to change now. That was the whole reason he wanted out of Seattle. They gave him everything. Like there was a reporter on our station earlier this week who was like, he's got his own office there and all of his people work out of that office. He almost operates as like a separate entity. They tried to design the offense around this like makeshift, like makeshift, like child drawing he had made of an offense that included like three different disciplines, none of which are cohesive together. So I, I mean, I think it would take years of playing this bad for Russ to change at this rate. Yeah. Right. Kitchen's closed. Kitchen's closed in Denver. Kitchen's closed. Oh, that's the headline. If the chiefs win kitchen's closed. <laughs> you heard it here first, Nick, you need to make sure no one steals that. Um, guys, Isaiah Pacheco has really settled into the number one running back role in Clyde's absence. He is averaging 81 yards and 4.8 yards per carry over the last month. What kind of role do we think that Clyde will have whenever he does return to the field? I hope. And I, and I say this knowing that again, I don't think that Clyde has no talent or can't work with a certain team. 
I hope for this team, he has no role. I know that sounds like I'm being negative, but the problem is in the system he's currently in, it works better when it's just the two of them. Can't we all see it? Like this is one of those eye test things. When you watch when it's just Pacheco and McKinnon, it works better than it's Pacheco, McKinnon and Clyde. Clyde comes up the works. He doesn't. They're not like a perfect complement to each other. It makes everything out of sync. They have to find ways to use Pacheco, which is what happened when they made him the starter kind of de facto is essentially they were admitting they weren't getting to Pacheco as fast as they should. So to me, it's like, just put Clyde in that role. And if it's like, oh, we forgot to use Clyde today. No one cares. We won't miss it. And it's fine. But don't do not force a role for him when he comes back, because clearly this is the best the running games looked all year. It'd be a shame to move off of Pacheco and McKinnon as the duo that works the best and shift it back over to Clyde. Yeah, I mean, what role will he have when he returns? The role he had when he got injured, which was basically nothing. He had 87 yards rushing in the five games before the Chargers game when he got injured. So he was a backup running back even when he was healthy. We see this happen all the time in the NFL, all the time. It happens a lot to quarterbacks, right? One guy is not performing well gets injured, backup comes in, and by the time that guy gets healthy, he doesn't have a job anymore. It's, I mean, it sucks that the way that's the way it works sometimes, but the reality is, and I hate to say this about a guy who's currently injured, but the reality is it shouldn't have taken the injury for Clyde to lose a role on this offense because as good as he looked at the beginning of the year, and we even talked about it. Remember the first couple of weeks, yeah. Clyde was running really strong and he had a burst and he was sort of explosive in a way that we hadn't seen in a couple of years. And then you go back to the off season and he was talking about, it was his first full off season of not being injured and not having to rehab through something. You're like, maybe this is it. Or, or maybe it was the fact that he hadn't been hit by anybody in seven months. And that's why he looked explosive. And that's when everybody looks explosive. Like the first two weeks of the seasons when everybody looks healthy because they haven't been getting into car wrecks every single Sunday. But then all of a sudden, the wear and tear of the season brought Clyde right back to kind of where he had been, which was, you're a fine back. You'll probably get another contract and, and be a backup and be a journeyman running back in the NFL. But the idea that you're ever going to be a lead back on the Chiefs or, frankly, any offense in the NFL again is probably a little bit unrealistic. This is kind of the role he's he's kind of going to be slotted for the rest of his career, which is... Nice change of pace back. You can do a few things for you, but you can't really rely upon him to have a major role in your offense. I know we all have different standards for things, but for me, if you get hurt and miss multiple games in three consecutive years, I think it's more than fair to slap injury prone on you. If you're injury prone, then we can't count on you. You can't stay. You, you can't even like forget the rest of it. Like that. It doesn't look good when he plays. He very simply can't be on the field. He can't stay on the field. He has missed significant time for three consecutive years. He's an injury prone running back. Like the same as like people were talking about that with Jarek McKinnon. When Clyde hits the free agency market and someone eventually gives him a deal because they will because he's a former first round pick. The first thing they should ask themselves is, can this guy stay healthy? Can we keep him healthy? Can we keep him on the field? Because there are times when Clyde does look viable when healthy, when on the field. But his body always fails him. That's the worst thing to see happen to football players because then you just don't know. You're like, are they really not good or they simply just can't stay healthy? Like, you know, I, I worry a little bit about it with like Kadarius Tony sometimes because he's had injury trouble early on in his career. Now he's only in year two, 
So we don't have to just slap him with you're injury prone and you can't stay on the field yet. But with Clyde, because it's three years in, I mean, I don't even know if either of you guys could argue at this point. We have to say he's injury prone, don't we? Yeah, I mean, it's I don't I'm not enough of a medical expert. I'm a bit of a medical expert, but not enough of one to know (laughs) the difference between like being injury prone and just being someone who gets injured. Like to me, when I think of injury prone, it's like the same injury over and over again, right? Like you have a joint in your body that just will not withstand playing in the NFL. And with Clyde, it's been a lot of different things. And he plays in a, a position that's more prone to getting injured naturally, right? Because of the beating that running backs take. So I don't know if he's injury prone. I just know that he's been injured a lot. And for somebody who's been injured a lot, to your point, Cody, whether he's injury prone or not, I just like I would never take a bet that he's going to make it through a full season. I would if, never make a bet that you can go into a year thinking that like, yeah, this guy's going to be healthy and he's going to give you 14 games. He could be back, right? If he were to miss the rest of this season for whatever reason, if he did that, then he would have missed 17 games in his first three years. A full wow. season. Like if he missed the rest of the year in the regular season, he'll miss a full season in three years. Like, that's too much time off the field to find the rhythm with all these guys. Mahomes has rhythm with Pacheco. He has it with McKinnon. He doesn't have it with. He doesn't have it with Clyde. Well, to Nick's point, when he comes back and plays explosive, if we do see him back this season, and if that does happen, then what? Again, I just hope he doesn't. I don't think that they'll use him in a way that you'll ever know, Kayla. I just don't think he'll ever get the chance. Not this year, not with this team. You can make a strong argument they should cut him in the offseason. They can save $2.2 million, $3.5 million, which is what he's slated to make because he was a first-round pick, would make him like the 12th highest running back in the NFL. That's too much. It's too much for a guy you don't use. You can save that money, and $2.2 million would buy you 15 running backs in the NFL. Doesn't, you know, like that's a lot of money in the running back spend department. 